Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jay Clark. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, folks. Alongside me this evening, Frisco Riverstone. (laughs) You know, Frisco, there's nothing like waking up in the morning and reading an article about two parents. Either it was a couple or the the details are sparse. But one of the local affiliates uh, described it as road rage. At an elementary school this morning? You know, I, I heard about that. I was with somebody whose kids go to that school. Really? I was with her this morning at like 8. She got a phone call uh, from her spouse. and was like, they shooting over here at the school? And I was just kind of like, wait, wait, it's it's 7. Right. <laughs> What's what, what happened? So... I don't know all the details, and and I'm sure that there's uh, it's probably all over uh, the Facebook uncut mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand, they've got they've got two uh, they they took into custody two dads. One of the dads uh, basically uh, cut some cut the other dad off, and then he just like pulled out his gun, and they were kind of following each other, and then he actually started shooting from one vehicle to the other. <sighs> uh, yeah. And and what I mean by what happened is, yeah, the details of what happened this morning at this elementary school in the carpool line, or apparently it was right when they are getting into the line, like the entrance of the school. But it's just like, what happened? Who in their right mind does that? What happened to the middle finger? <laughs> right. You know, you know I, I, got I was th- telling people to do that last night. <laughs> I actually got the I got the middle finger at um, <laughs> in the Costco parking lot not oh, too well, long wait, ago. Did you deserve it? Well, here's the deal. We all know the Costco parking lot. It's pretty, you know, mm-hmm. it's come and go. Everybody's going real fast. You got to kind of almost have a strategy when you get in. And uh, there was a, a light rain. And, and I didn't know if I was supposed to go or this pedestrian because he was walking kind of slow. So it was that whole like... He took a step, then I inched, and he took a step, <laughs> and then he finally turns to me, and the rain just starts coming down a little heavier, and just and and like extended his middle finger longer than you normally would. It was really weird. It was just Whoa. this one solo middle Boy, finger, and held slowly. it, and just like oh, held it. Wow. And then, and naturally, I just kind of like smiled, and he probably thought <laughs> I was like smirking. Right. So anyway, I just parked on the other side. Oh man! Yeah. yeah what? Ha- I mean, what happened to that? Like, why? What, what, well, you never know, and that's something I try to keep in mind. Doing a radio show, it's something I try to keep in mind when I'm out and about, is you don't know where people are at. Yeah. In their own head. Oh yeah. Like what's happened? Like when they woke up this morning, what is troubling them? Yeah. Like when I woke up this morning, I felt great. I had a great day so far, and I think the show's going to be great. And with that in mind. 
one of the reasons I'm feeling so good today is I went by Express Fitness 24 ask, Did you get a workout in this morning? I did. I did. I did the classic like bro workout, like bench press and dumbbell incline press and nice. some dips and like all this stuff. And yeah, I was gassed. It was great. And um, the, the cool thing though, aren't they? They're open. What are their hours? 24 7. Oh, yeah. And the way it works, folks, at Express Fitness 24 7 is right in the name. There's a one time sign up fee. And then after that, it is, I believe, $30 a month, and month to month. You don't have to do a long-term contract. Back when I was in college, freshman year at Auburn, I made the mistake of signing a long-term contract, a year-long one, to a certain gym, corporate Mm -hmm. gym. Mm -hmm. Big mistake. Because mm-hmm. I thought I was actually being sold personal training along with the price of the monthly fee. No, 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 no. So Express Fitness 24-7, things are just much more straightforward, locally owned. Uh, I'm working out with the owner, Alex. Uh, we get great workouts in. I'm going to the Zelda Road location, the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center. There's a facility right above Firehouse Subs there on the second floor, and then right across the parking lot. It's a split facility for now. And they have plans going forward in the future. Might find a nice. new Location, but there are locations all over the River Region, Millbrook, Wetumpka, Prattville, Clanton, Pine Level, and the 24-7 aspect of it, Yellow Key Fob, uh, like we have here nice. for the radio station security, nice. once you become a member, and so you can go get a workout in if you have wonky hours, and I love it. It, it is really, yeah, it's a bit of a vanity project, like I was saying earlier this week, I'm going to have the best backside in the business, if I keep <laughs> doing like 50 squats, 100 squats a week. See, I'm a, I'm a really early riser, like a 4.35 a.m., yeah. and I also like to do like a fasted cardio. Yeah. So, I've run into the problem where I get up and I got to wait because the gym's not quite open yet. And They're open. Yeah. Well, I'm actually I'm I'm in the market for a gym, so I'm gonna have to come by. Yeah, absolutely, come by and uh, tell Alex I I suggested it that you know me. You've been on the show, and uh, he's a great guy. And yeah, there and there are a lot of personal trainers there. Um, they do cost something, but I mean they're worth it. I've seen them working with all different types of folks: young people, older folks, people who are very out of shape, not so much. Well, they I give mean, you that accountability, right? Yeah, there, exactly. There's somebody there that you know. If I know I've got to meet somebody there, then mm-hmm. I'm probably more inclined to go, and then you feel way better about yourself after the workout. Well, you don't feel like a fish out of water. Like, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. There's always that awkward first time. There are a lot of online videos that can direct you and online coaches. It's not the same, though, as, like, you're right, having somebody who holds you accountable right there in person. And I don't know. I love it. The one hesitation I had, and I think it's everybody who's been kind of hanging out, waiting, you know, on the bubble about, oh, should I join a gym or not join a gym, is, uh, you know, what are people going to think? You know, I'm just starting off and I'm weak and whatever. No, everybody in that gym I've seen has been nothing but supportive. That's awesome. They'll say something to you like i saw you working our good job man that's awesome yeah good good gym community is is a pretty serious thing well and when it's coming from a guy who's lighter than me uh guy named rick i think he's 175 but he's up there like benching 250 just killing it like he's strength he's a beast man so it's fun, and it's not just again the vanity thing. It disciplines the mind, and I can that makes sense. Waking up early, doing some fasted cardio, yeah. it just sets the mind right, gets the day going. So, folks, check out Express Fitness twenty four seven. Probably the best way to do that is Express Fitness twenty four the number twenty four dot com. Express Fitness twenty four dot com, and be sure once again to tell them that uh, Joey sent you. So where do we begin, Frisco? Where do we begin? Oh man! So I listened to uh, I listened to you yesterday. Oh no! Yeah, and uh, I was debating on <laughs> yesterday. You were you were pretty 
pretty tired of the headlines. I mean, it was just one clown show after the other, and it was just, it got to a point where it was just like... Well, this game of incitement, like, I'm, like, I watched even Tucker Carlson last night, and Tucker even acknowledged, well, maybe I've contributed to it. Yeah, you think, Tucker? <laughs> like, both sides are contributing to this, yes. and there's a problem we do, and I've done it because it makes, you gotta have something interesting to talk about, so what do sure. you do? You find the wackiest, sure. most extreme person. Like, Obviously, the people that were out in front of Mitch McConnell's house, or months ago, the people that are out in front of Tucker Carlson's house, don't represent most Democrats you and I know. Sure, yeah. But those folks do exist. And they get the, they get the press, though. And That's the story. And what I guess I was so frustrated about last night is we have to stop letting the most extreme outliers and fringes, and especially people prone to violence or who did violence, define us as a people yeah on both sides actually right. you know and that goes for every every small group of people too you know it's just they show the most i i've noticed they show they'll show a like a gay pride thing and they show the most flamboyant <laughs> i mean like gender not quite sure what's going on there right uh and and to be honest you know my poor grandparents see that and they're like <laughs> what is that yeah, what, what kind of what's what's this community and i'm like well hey well you know they're not all like that all that <laughs> but but the media loves that though because what it, you know, you can't show a normal, you know, middle class, hardworking guy. Yeah, <laughs> but so I think it, I think it goes with just just the media in general with all groups. So left, the right, the and they're fueling it. And I mean, and some of the like media organizations have policies. I kind of keep to this policy. I I've stopped. I remember some of the names, but I've stopped saying the names of these mass shooters. Yes, yes. But then I have this thought of like, yeah, but we live in the day and age of the internet. If people want to find it out. People will find it out. Yeah. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. All the good and all the bad of... It's out. Yeah. Well, And I had this thought. Imagine, say, the early 1900s or the late 1800s, the Reconstruction period or the Civil Rights era and Jim Crow. All this. Imagine any of those eras in American history. Let, imagine the American Revolution leading up to it. And it's not like these brilliant minds and these aristocrats and huge landowners like Jefferson and Adams and Hamilton and Washington and all these you know brilliant people that were raised in this, with this aristocratic background and education. Imagine it was like the everyday American in 1770 had the ability to communicate to all sorts of everyday Americans in 1770 immediately immediately it i don't i think what's happening is we're kind of just seeing what has always existed and it's just amped up and it's well, interacting with them. i actually had that i had that conversation at dinner with some uh some friends of mine um who are who are extremely liberal and and we were kind of talking and they were they were shocked at just the amount of they started bringing up something about some girl getting kidnapped in new mexico and then <sighs> somebody chimed in about the rape and murder in minnesota and and, it, and they were like and one of the older gentlemen we were with was like, well, it just, that just kind of, that stuff just didn't happen in my day. And I asked him, I said, in, in your day, did you have a, because his phone was kind of going off throughout dinner. Right. Did, <laughs> I noticed you had like two alerts from MSNBC on your phone since we've had this, since we've beginning this conversation. Did you have that back? Well, no. I said, okay, you do realize you are connected 
to every single small news station, every single large news station, and then things are picked, you know, they pick and choose. Just a random guy on Facebook or Twitter. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Friend comments on something, you're getting another notification. So, you know, the question really is, and and I think you can go back and look at stats and data and things like that, Uh, has this been always kind of going on? I mean, there's always been, especially before all that, uh, people were getting away with stuff. I mean, before cameras, think about the robberies and yeah, the uns- yeah. unsolved. I mean, yeah, we went over this a little bit last Friday, but the world, like, we're not, in, in terms of like who we are as like beings with bodies and brains and how we function, we're not that different from even people. Imagine if the Romans, like, yeah. in the Roman Empire had social media. Yeah. I think they'd be reacting in a lot of the same ways. And also, it's not just, oh, you can communicate with people all over the world. Again, it makes it to where you're most, like, basic knee-jerk reactions and emotions and especially raw emotions in the wake of something like a mass shooting, you can react in real time. And interact with other people having the same reactions Mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, a a group of people may have a different reaction and they band together and it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you you point out... Back in the Roman times, you know, would they react the same way? Probably. I mean, having access, having access to everything at your fingertips instantly. Uh, well, I see. I've been the one story that I actually saw a story on Drudge that interests me. That didn't just piss me off. And for some reason, it's not uh, opening up. It doesn't want to uh, allow this. Uh, okay, here it goes. Hopefully, an agent. Uh, no, that's not it. Where is it? Oh, come on. Anyway, yes, foxes at Temple Mount. And we're not talking about, you know, fine-looking people, folks. Uh, we're <laughs> not, not talking not about... The, f- not the Frisco Riverstones of the world. No, this ain't Foxy Brown at the Temple Mount in Israel. Uh, prophetic proof Jerusalem returning to glory. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards for our vineyards. Okay, there that thing just popped up again. Anyway, here's the point. Based on Old Testament biblical prophecies, it's now in the Israeli press. I first saw this in the Jerusalem Post, that foxes are now roaming the Temple Mount. Now, I'm no biblical scholar. I'm not Jewish. And I'm not really a born-again Christian. I was raised Catholic. When you said that, I had absolutely no idea what that would even possibly mean. But there are apparently all these signs. Now, there are more extreme elements within Israel. It's like any other place. Um, And I think there's actually more robust debate about the nation of Israel within Israel than, say, in the United States. But there are, and I, I don't use extremists as a slur, they're just more extreme factions that, let's say, are trying to bring about the end of days yes so they're always looking for signs and some are even like oh if we slaughter a red calf or red heifer in this time period and um some of that stuff number one i don't want it to be the end of days in my lifetime now we got a lot more to do (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah but if it is i guess uh we'll see what happens I, i might be in a lot of trouble but that that story is just one of those ones where you look at it and you know, we get so caught up in the here and now and the 24-7 news cycle to be reminded of thousands of years of history and a biblical prophecy, you know, should, you know, center you a little bit. That we do come from somewhere and from a past. 
Now, I guess that's my perspective. I have to watch myself sometimes, Frisco, and that I, I have. I'm not only cynical. I also like have read a little bit of history. I'm not some trained historian, but the little bit I've read has sort of informed me that tragic, violent, terrible lives have been most uh, nasty British and short, to use Thomas Hobbes' phrase, has been most of human history. Absolutely. And how good we have it now is not. Um, it's not the norm, and we forget that. We're, we're literally living in probably the best times in history as far as, you know, disease and famine, you know, uh, just... Go, we keep talking about the Romans, you know, going back. I, sometimes I nerd out and get into like a good two or three hour YouTube black yeah, hole sure. of... Because of, I've been fascinated lately with, uh, you know, Rome and... and so, you know, they have these, not only the gladiators and all this other kind of stuff going on, but there was all kinds of just public executions and all mm-hmm. kinds of, I mean, it was pretty brutal. And once again, it goes back to no cameras around. I mean, no, you know, it, it was, a, what happened that we don't even know that wasn't even written down? Unless some scribe wrote some of this stuff down or it's been passed down. And you know how that old game telephone, you know. Oh, sure. So it's like, what's what's been passed down and kind of misconstrued, like, you know, we're we're living in some pretty good times. Well, I mean, and, and how many people are actually? I I do the YouTube thing as well. I love podcasts like Hardcore History or History on Fire, but I don't really. I've tried once or twice, but it's so dry. It's difficult. I've tried to you know break out. I'll ask folks this: everybody listening, and you too, Frisco. When's the last time you broke out your Plutarch? And read, you know, your Roman history. Nobody does that, not the average person. But, you know, for all the calls that we're a democracy, I think we actually are less Athens. Yes. And, and we're much more Rome. Yeah. We would make, uh, we're a ve- we have very good or ominous parallels to the Roman Republic that became an empire and mm-hmm. that then fell. Uh, a lot of the same things, literally the same, the, the devaluing of currency, the sort of the bread and circuses. The Romans also, as they expanded their territory and conquered more peoples, they often justified it as defense. Yes. It, which is what we do. Which is exactly what we do. And so there's all these crazy parallels. We do live in interesting times. I think people are very much, and I'm going to keep reiterating this as we go forward in the years ahead, the rise of China is much more than a trade war with the president. It is. It will be a generational history-defining saga for hundreds of years to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, China is set to surpass the United States on a military level uh, <laughs> here in, like, in, in our lifetime, for sure. Right. Uh, and, and it's not talked about much, but it is, depending on what circles you run in. You know, I've, I've learned to, like, shift and, uh, you know, obviously I'm banned from Twitter now, but uh, I, still, I still play around on Instagram sometimes. So I pick and choose kind of who I want to follow, and, and sometimes I have to re, redo that because sometimes I'm seeing way too much of one side. Right. But, uh, you know, people do talk about it, but it's not really talked about enough. I don't think people quite understand, first of all, the amount of people that are in China right now um, and you also, you know, talking trade war and things like that. The amount of intellectual property China has taken from the United States with no repercussions mm-hmm. and, and, and what they're doing with some of that intellectual property and intelligence and data, um, it's, you know, I well, think... And, and we have to... Everything you just said and, and more, we have to reckon with China. Now, some people... 
uh, like the historian and political commentator, I think it's Niall or Neil Ferguson, he's essentially calling for a new Cold War. And instead of with Russia, which is sort of a... Uh, revanchist, like you know, we're we're going to be great because we have a bunch of nukes. Well, Russia, you have made your half your population suffers from alcoholism, <laughs> right? It might be all the vodka. I You're, follow a really good Russian Instagram account, and it's kind of a, it's it's. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's pretty funny. I would love to see that. <laughs> it, it, it's just uh, Russia is a problem, but they're not the problem they were say during the the first Cold War. Not even close. So there are people. You know, Trump, I think, is trying to drive just a hard bargain in the sense that he did with the European. Union and with Mexico that I'm crazy enough to make this hurt for everybody, so relent, let's have pretty much free trade. He's doing the same thing with China. I think the ultimate goal is to have more free trade with China, but just fair trade. As well as addressing, you know, the intellectual property thefts, these sorts of things. But if you look at China, some people are like, no, throw tariffs on them because this should be how we treated the Soviet Union. And I don't, I'm split on this. I really am torn on this because there are things in China like the social credit scores, uh, like the crackdowns on all any form of dissent, how they change and erase their history to serve the Communist Party. But then also I've read reports, people have actually gone to China, you land in Beijing or uh, Hong Kong's an amazing, very Western place. That's a little different. But you say land in actual Beijing. When you show up there, what you're going to find is almost every American brand. They love KFC. They love KFC. They love fried chicken. Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love fried oh, yeah. chicken? Um, they love, essentially, the American movies. They love... There's a reason Avengers Endgame ended up being the biggest movie ever in terms of how many tickets it moved because number one china there are billions of people there <laughs> and so I, we i try to always remember the government is not the people i right. here at home we are not the government in china the chinese people are not the government they're of course supporters of any regime the iranian people are not the theocratic government and the guardian council that oversees them and so I'm always hesitant for any call to, like, overt measures of war or anything like that because I think it can, number one, poison the well for what a population thinks of the United States. But it could also, I mean, just destroy lives when people are really being held hostage. So with China, I'm not, I'm not sure what exactly we do. But, you know, bringing it back home, because if we're going to deal with these big world historic things on the horizon, like the rise of China, we've got to get our house in order. I mean, I could go on and on about debt and deficits. I think that's the biggest issue facing the nation and both parties, whether it was you know President Trump or President Obama or George W. Bush um, or anybody running the Senate or the House of Representatives, they talk a big game when they're out of power. Look at the debt going up. And now, well, one thing to point out too is is you know right now uh, trade war is hot in the news, but you have to understand that for twenty maybe thirty years, um, no presidential administration really really took a look at China and and addressed the issues that were there regarding trade. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, President Trump comes in and says, I'm gonna I'm gonna handle this because obviously the administration and a lot of people um recognize that and recognize that China in the next 
20 in some time in our lifetime mm-hmm. uh, will be the, the next biggest superpower. Oh, and absolutely. And for folks who are interested in further reading, uh, I suggest a guy named Graham Allison. Um, did a th- he wrote a whole book. But there are shorter articles like in the Atlantic called the Thucydides Trap. And that goes back to ancient Greece and all this stuff. I won't bore you with uh, more history lessons, but the idea is when a rising power meets an established power, there tends to be war, even when everybody running those countries doesn't want it. And so hopefully we can avoid that. We avoided it with the Soviet Union, and hopefully we can avoid it with China. But if we're going to deal with things like that, or with Iran, or with any other threat on the horizon, anything foreign, whether it's literal war or trade wars, which actually... In terms of what the general U.S. population understands about war, whether it's like the war in Iraq or war in Af- Afghanistan, I think Americans are largely ignorant of exactly all the ins and outs of a trade war, just like they were with the other wars. There's the big headline stuff True. that you remember, but largely we're in the dark because, number one, it's not that Americans are dumb. Some are, but it's that you got stuff to do. There's only so much time in the day to read and Well, and it's, co- it's complicated. I mean, I, I had to look into it um, quite a bit because I really did, I don't know, you know, and I like to pride myself on staying up to date on current events and things like that, but it kind of goes back to nothing was really said or done for a really long time, at least with me growing up, and uh, so now, you know, what what is trade with China? You know, what are we talking about here? And we all joke that everything's made in China, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but I had to kind of really do some digging to kind of figure out how much money and, and how that works and, and what how do these tariffs affect us? How do they affect them? Um, and then um, how it's affected our workers. And, you know, for a while there, you know, especially during the big industrial boom in the United States, I mean, we were we were doing great. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, then it gets into all the outsourcing. Several previous administrations started outsourcing that kind of stuff. Well, it's cheaper made in China. It's cheaper made in Mexico, you know. And um, I think that especially with this administration, I don't understand how there could even be any pushback when, when they're talking about, let's make it here. We can make it here. Well, I, I occupy a very rare space in the political discourse today when it comes to trade. Yeah. I am an unabashed libertarian Milton Friedman type unilateral free trader. I don't care if other nations are ripping us off, so to speak. Uh, and I think the intellectual property stuff's a different actual issue than the, the trade imbalance. Actual trade. Yeah, it, it's part of it, but it's really not specific. And security issues are also, I think, a little different as well. So, you know, you're worried if China is selling us a lot of the 5G technology to bring up 5G tech in the United States. Is there maybe a backdoor I mean, those are different types of concerns, I think, than just straight-up economic trade concerns. But I'm very much a, a Milton Friedman guy that when I hear a tariff, another $300 billion, you know, worth of goods are now being taxed, is what I hear. Mm. Tariff is no different than income tax, sales tax, all sorts of nickel and diming of the American people. And actually, success stories are usually found in places like, well, Hong Kong. The reason Hong Kong got so rich, it's the greatest capitalist success story in the last 60 years. They're a a tiny place that has really no clear natural resources. And what they did is unilateral free trade with the whole world. They also have the advantage of being right on the water. So it's easier to ship. It's much cheaper to move things on water. And so they've gone from essentially a desolate place without much development 
all the way to this booming economic powerhouse, one of the richest places on earth. And is everything perfect? No, but that's not... We're denied perfection on this side of the Garden of Eden, east mm-hmm. of Eden. Um, we, I think, need perspective. And I just think freedom, at the end of the day, is the best policy, not because, I oh, I just love liberty. It's that I think, practically speaking, it would create good effects, and then we need to, keeping our freedom, help folks who are displaced economically when they lose their job. And I think some of the displacement is, yes, you know, people offshore jobs, like you said, to China, to Mexico, to other places. But also there is automation, like, for instance, the steel industry. A lot of that is productivity gains due to technological advancements. You don't need as many people to run the steel mill. And these are just sort of realities that we're going to have to continue to face and overcome. And there are real concerns. And and part of what I, I guess my theme is tonight is that though there's all these world historical things happening, again, the rise of the Internet is just an, and the technology coming out of that is an ongoing thing that nobody really fully understands, some more than others, but nobody really gets it, in my opinion. And then also all these you know changes in the geopolitical landscape. Uh, again, a lot of smart people, but when you get the geopolitics, the reason it's fun but also scary is that it's a shot in the dark. Nobody really knows. Like, you had brilliant minds like George Kennan with the containment theory of the Soviet Union. It kind of worked out. But then you have the domino theory we get in Vietnam for years and years. It didn't really work out as well as we would hope. Um, so geopolitics is sort of a shot in the dark. We do the best we can. It's why, again, it's interesting to talk about. The one thing I think we can talk about and we have to get our house in order. And it's not necessarily a policy thing. It is a basic way we talk to one another. Agreed. The basic way we actually see each other as people instead of avatars of our group. We've, you and I, Fresco, have talked about this a great deal from your perspective as a gay conservative. But I think the biggest form of bigotry in this country, and I've been, I'm going to continue to harp on this, is partisan bigotry, where you see not a Frisco or Joey. You see, oh, you're just Democrat 124. Oh, you got in that early? <laughs> you're 124 out of the millions assigned up Democrats? Or Republican 1002 or whatever. And you're not seeing the actual person. And people, they, they take in these ideas and they become so part of their identity as who they are as a person. It overrides everything else. And they feel, and I, and being charitable, I think most people, the reason they act this way isn't because they're bad people. It's because they feel under siege. Yeah. That identity and the things they care about, the values they care about are under attack. Sometimes they are, but then sometimes the politicians are just amping up. Absolutely. I mean, uh, specifically on the left, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk about the LGBT community and, and, and directly talking to the right and saying that, um, you know, uh, the Republicans hate the gays and how could you, you know, how could you support Republicans? And, and, and you, you look at it now and I, I go back to 2016, you know, uh, President Trump is the first president um, that, you know, running his campaign and be, and became president uh, that was for same-sex marriage. He right. was. Um, and you can go on YouTube, uh, Barack Obama, um, you know, during his campaigns and, and it's been Hillary during that Democratic debate that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. I mean, so 
and and not to mention all the other, you know, he's appointed uh, gay, openly gay ambassadors. Right, um, right. The fight, the global fight against HIV and AIDS, which deeply affects the LGBT community. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you know, if you you, you have to dig, but they're there. Um, but the left kind of masks that and covers it up because if you imagine uh, the gays. It, that's a, that's a pretty there's a there's a demographic there sure um, and a lot of times it's uh, it's two incomes no kids so there's some there's some money there um, and and that's a demographic that you kind of probably want you're talking double income no kids um, and I luckily had the chance to hang out with some uh, some gay friends of mine um, over over close to Atlanta this past weekend who happened to be Trump supporters. Yeah. And the funny thing was was I lay, I said something like Trump supporters and uh, they said something like no it's it's really more like you know because they're they're kind of like me I mean they're a little more libertarian and mm-hmm. it was, it's more about liberty and and they were kind of saying sure I'm a Trump supporter because look at all my options. <laughs> Um, you know, Bernie's way too out there, you know, and they, they started talking about other people on the right and the left and, uh, Trump just aligns with everything that they believe in. And and we were joking, we're still waiting to get thrown into those concentration camps that even Elizabeth Warren keeps saying that, that the gays are going to, because, uh, I haven't gotten my letter yet. Wait, so you're saying your friends are white supremacist gays? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how absurd this is, oh, though. Oh, man. You're now the white supremacist thing. Uh, and that's what I mean, is that there is... I've seen it and interacted with it with my own eyes, unfortunately, online. There are racists out there. Absolutely. Especially online. Uh, and I've had to dump racist calls on these airwaves. But the vast majority of people... Like, we're living in a culture where that is this terrible label. Nobody wants to be called that, unless you're actually one of them so it's an underground i saw today it was beto o'rourke and he must have been yesterday that he was on that uh beta roberto but he <laughs> goes by beto to appeal to the um hispanic population mm-hmm. was was like freaking out kind of flailing reminded me of like myself in my early 20s and it and he was literally saying that donald trump was a white supremacist and a racist and anyone who doesn't see that and i was just kind of thinking okay dude you you first of all you change your name to beto because you're trying to appeal to an obvious demographic uh you have there's no basis or anything backing it up and for the last 30 years um donald trump the civilian was continuously getting all kinds of awards from all kinds of different backgrounds whether it was uh you know black groups and and pastors and uh you know native american i mean constantly the guy owns hotels right Right. you know who works in hotels people of color gay folks i mean right all sorts of people do you really think that uh you know that he's well and and you have to ask like this is what i drives me nuts especially like public opinion polling and this little d democratic mindset the the big d democratic Democratic Party, no pun intended. Uh, they <laughs> they essentially play this game all the time. It's like we support the gay community, we support the black community, we support the Hispanic community. It's like, and if you don't agree with our policies, you're supporting the white nationalist, white supremacist reaction to all this progress and change we brought about. And I'm like, okay, but okay, let's say. Five percent. I think it's more, but five percent of blacks support the president. Are those five percent? Again, it's more. Are white supremacists? But the Hispanics that support Trump are they white supremacists? Even though they're uh, like it just like there's always these exceptions, 
And it's like, so, okay, they're not in the majority. Fair enough. The majority of, of African Americans are not going to vote for the Republican and haven't in years. But there is a group of African Americans that are going to vote for President Trump. So why aren't you talking to them? Like, and do you just act like they don't exist? They're scared, honestly. I mean, yeah. in opposite uh, viewpoint, it doesn't it doesn't match their talking points, um, and they're scared because it's like Kanye West, you know. Oh yeah, well, it, 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 well, they turned him into this giant Looney Tune, and he already was a little crazy. Let's be honest. Oh, sure, but he's got some solid points, and you look at some of the prison reform work that him and his family are doing. I'm sorry, but I don't see uh, uh, I don't see a huge problem. Yeah, I don't see Diddy or anybody else out there really doing prison right. reform work, and and has the ability to, to be honest. I would love, and this is where the word diversity has been sort of poisoned, it's become a poison pill, because I would love to support actual diversity and tolerance and just, you know, liberty. That's the cornerstone of actual diversity and tolerance. Liberty. Um, it's what allowed for, say, freedom of religion in this country, and we avoided, say, the religious wars of Europe. But, you know, again, this is too complicated for everyday Americans, or at least for the media. We gotta scare the crap out of people. Waited too long, hit this break. Be right back, folks. Joey Clark. Welcome back, folks. Josh is on the line. He's been very patient with us, Frisco. Um, and I forgot to ask you, do you have any preferred pronouns? Oh, uh, yeah, they're uh, he and him. Mm, okay. Thank you, thank you, Joey. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> Comrade. <laughs> it's so absurd. <laughs> it really is. We were just talking off air about the Democratic Socialists of America conference and how they were just, all the infighting going on um, over, like, somebody said, guys, guys, calm down, and somebody got all upset. Somebody had a sensory overload, somebody had to pronounce, do their pronouns first, because they were mis- misgendered, and then they had to do the whole uh, apology celebration, it was weird. Yeah, that is, uh, that's a whole other level, but don't fool yourself, folks, uh, ever since Bernie came on the scene, the... CSA has had a shot in the arm. Their membership has grown by leaps and bounds. Mm. Now, I really see the future as kind of a, a fight between democratic socialists and more libertarian types when I look at the young generation on the right and left. I see a civil war first. See, my idea for a civil war, this is probably a bad idea, is like, let's find a huge plot of land, like somewhere in Nebraska, like real flat. And uh, everybody wants to fight this impending civil war, so hopped up on politics and they're ready to kill. <laughs> we'll just have you go there. You can pick your side. And then, like the first civil war, I'll set up uh, stands with picnic baskets and whatnot <laughs> and, you know, protective, you know, glass. You've got this planned out. We'll, we'll just watch the carnage, you know. And you know, on a, a serious note, I'll get to you in a second, Josh. I do understand why people react more emotionally to say, a mass shooting than, say, uh, a shooting here in Montgomery or a shooting in Chicago. Because there's the logic. 
Most people think, and maybe it's wrong for us to think this, is if you get shot, you're probably engaged in risky behavior. Yep. Now, it's wrong if you were killed or shot, but you're most likely in a place engaging in some activity where you didn't have it coming, but the odds went way up for you getting shot. With a mass shooting, what I think shocks people's conscience is that these folks aren't engaged in risky behavior. They're yeah. shopping at Walmart. Walmart, yeah. They're going to school as elementary kids. They're going to school as high school kids. I mean, you're going to hang out at Pulse nightclub or a bar or a movie theater. These are your office. And it's sort of the shock of, I'm engaging in normal everyday behavior, and now all this death happens. I think that is what really troubles people. So I get it. I really do. It is a problem. I think part of it has to do with how we talk about politics in general, uh, and part of it has to do with, I sent you a long piece on this, we don't have really time to get into it, but I mean, people have been trying to understand this for since the beginning of the modern age, since you know psychology came on the scene in the late 1800s, and a lot of people uh, feel detached from their society. What that article I sent you essentially said what a lot of these mass shooters have in common is they don't look like the the stereotypical stereotypical bully the you know, jocks jock type yeah. that, which still exist I assume but no they usually look like the sort of loner depressed kid who well might have committed suicide mm-hmm. and instead of doing that often their motivations if you look into the data on these things. Um, There are suicidal aspects to how they're thinking. It's an extreme, all-or-nothing point of view on the world, and it leads to uh, horrible outcomes. And there are a lot of different ways we can try to solve this. Well, I think it ties into just the mental health crisis, I think, that we're having right now. And it's not just like a, a clear diagnosis. I think it's generally... Like, people can have a mental health problem and be depressed, not because they have a chemical imbalance. Sometimes that's true. Mm -hmm. Because you have bad habits. You don't have friends. You are engaged in somewhat unproductive, self-destructive behavior that grows on itself. It snowballs. And a lot of family homes have been divided these days, majority. And a lot of that... uh, most people react to even those tough situations. Uh, either they kind of go out with a whimper or they, they just get by and make do. And that's most people. But some people react to the situations and they are ripe. It's, as I said the other day, sin crouching at their door. You all know my perspective. I don't mean that in some like I'm judging you way using sin. It's just literally evil. Something that can lead you astray is crouching at your door and it can... Uh, can grab you and we have to we have to look out for one another that's the most basic way it might sound cliche it's how we do it though but here josh i'm sorry i just kept talking and talking what's up man oh my goodness you got a talk show (laughs) (laughs) no i just had three little points on it what was your guest name again i didn't didn't... frisco frisco riverstone and he prefers the pronouns he and him and my pronouns are he and him please thank you I love that name. I mean, that sounds like a stunt double for porno. It's awesome. <laughs> that was the uh, plan. <laughs> yes, sir. It didn't work out, no, so uh, I'm doing so. <laughs> Well, uh, and the other thing, you know, everybody's throwing around racism, racism, he's racist, she's racist, blah, 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 blah. Um, prejudice, you know, the word of, of prejudgment, making a determination of somebody prior to actually knowing mm-hmm. has kind of went to the wayward side. I see, and people are just jumping the gun. So, I mean, if you're a 
you know, white conservative male, you know, this is your life now. You gotta adjust accordingly. Um, as sad as it is. Well, and I've but, learned uh, just to, you know, you can think what you want. If you want to actually get to know me, you can actually get to know me. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same way. But uh, what I was really going to follow up with, uh, have you seen the um, little hubbub about this movie called The Hunt? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I watched the trailer right before, like literally right before I walked in the studio. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. What's it like? So it's uh, the basis is um, these rich elite uh, basically pay money to go on a hunt. And there's two different trailers. One of the trailers actually looks like an ad for like a hunting trip you may go on with your family. And it's like real pretty and everything. And like the very end, you realize they're actually hunting people. And then the other trailer is kind of from the, the people, the hunted side of you. Um, and they basically have been um, kind of kidnapped, don't know where really, they don't know that they're being hunted and the whole idea and it's actually kind of it says it in the um in the in the film um that it's the elite hunting the deplorables uh which has got people kind of up in arms now first i love this kind of stuff like like <laughs> hunger games like the i purge, love yeah. the purge and it's actually by the, the, think, in the game yeah, yeah I think it's, who made it yeah it's the director of the purge so i love this kind of stuff and then i heard it was elite hunting the uh deplorables um and i'm like uh, i think i'm a deplorable i don't know and so <laughs> but, but i i didn't get i didn't get really offended by it i still want to go see it but it is kind of it it the trailer was released the day of or a couple or day after these two mass shootings and now Hollywood's getting it from both sides. Ooh, uh, yeah. The right's like, what? You're making a film about hunting us? And then the left is like, this is really insensitive. And so the studio, uh, ESPN actually pulled the, um, they pulled the, the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's as far as I got into it and I walked in here. But. Yeah, and a lot of the advertisers are backing out. Um, after that, you know, the shootings, just like you said. But, yeah, you hit it right on the head, but there's a big stink about it. Um, but I know how but, marketing works, too, because I'm kind of like, now I really <laughs> want to go see it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, who, who knows? But, yeah, well, no, guys, I was just going to uh, bring that up. I was, I was reading it earlier today uh, at work, and I was like, oh, gosh, here's another it'll be thing. See, it'll be cool to see where it goes if they wind up, like, banning it or something. Or, uh, I mean, it comes out uh, end of September, I believe. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, those aren't usually my type of movies, but, you know. Ti- timing was pretty bad on this one. Really bad, and also using that language, uh, they, I think they had to know what they were doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, creating right that. Uh, hmm. Well, I appreciate the call, Josh. All right, Joe. See you later. 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 Uh, oh, look at this. Another phone call right at the end of the show. News Talk, who's this? You're on there. What's up, Joy? This is Will. Hey, Will. What's happening? Look, um, you and I have a lot in common, to be honest. I'm a huge Prince fan. Huge, huge Prince fan. I oh, think yeah. I probably have. Also, do you have the Black Album? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, have, if you got the Black Album, then you got you are a Prince fan. Oh, sure. I, I know all about Cindy C and being, uh, excuse me, pardon me, rock hard in a funky place. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that last caller got it all twisted on a lot of other people. I mean, I don't think people have a problem with white people, white men or whatever, being proud of who they are. But if you go to a rally with a, with a, Nazi, with a Nazi flag or doing Hitler signs, 
and people can see you doing that, then of course you're going to have a problem. Oh well, yeah, if, and if that, you're not only is that engaged, I mean, not only sure. is that not only not only are you bringing unwanted attention to yourself, but you're uh, you're being a traitor to your country because we fought against Nazism. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I think what, what people are frustrated with, Will, is like, I wasn't at the rally. I hate those people, too. Why are you lumping me in with them? Which seems to be exactly. what some people are playing yeah. the game, the political and game. I, I, and that's true, too, because, I mean, I have a lot of, and this is how cliches, but I have a lot of white friends. We hang out sometimes, get along pretty good, you know, and talk about issues, this, that, and other. But, I mean, I don't think it's, I, well, some people have been, putting everybody in one big basket. Yep. Mm-hmm. 